<laughs> I wanted Ben to keep playing just for a minute because I just felt like during the worship there was a word that God had for us. Not just for me, not just for one or two of you, but for us. And it's this, there is greatness in you. There is greatness in you. There is greatness in you. If you have a look at all the great revivals that have happened over the centuries around the globe, what you'll discover is a people that are ready, that are hungry, that desire, and that will host the presence of God. Yeah? Ordinary people who will host the presence of God. Some of what we experienced this morning in our worship is the presence of God. And what the presence of God does is it brings the greatness from within us out of us so that we can step into something that is supernatural. See, what somebody in this place needs to know today is that there's greatness in you. Not just the person next to you. Not just the people that you've read about. Not just the person that's mentoring you or that speaks to you, but there is greatness in you. If you would grab hold of that greatness and you will hunger and desire and host the presence of God, I can guarantee you, not because my word's worth anything, but because it's a precept of God, if you will host His presence well, Revival will come, yeah? And not through the visiting, guest, super-duper, evangelistic healer, but through the greatness that is in you, yeah? And so this morning, greatness is in you. Amen? Why don't we look to the person on the right and just say, hey, there's greatness in you. Look to the person on the other side and just say, God's still working on you. There's greatness in you, Ben. Just by the way. <laughs> it was such an overwhelming word that it brought me to tears. You know, God's presence is so real. God is so real in each and every one of our lives. Um, Roscoe, wonderful, wonderful communion message because it, it was heart, yeah? And in capturing that paradox, it releases something within us, you know, because it's difficult to journey through those dark times. But those dark times bring us somewhere. You know, for those that were here last week, I spoke about counting the cost. <laughs> um, you know, it was a reasonably light sermon i'm told if you weren't here grab a copy you can buy a cd for two bucks or you can download it for free it just costs your internet entirely up to you but it was something that god placed on my heart really quite heavily that this this greatness to release this greatness comes at a cost yeah our salvation is free but to make the decision for Jesus cost some of us something. And for some of us, it was a really easy transition. And it, it's been smooth. But in other areas of life, it has cost or it will cost us something. You know, I shared the story last week about uh, Cooler and Lucy, um, two friends who were 16, 17 at the time, who were making a decision for Jesus, though they grew up in... Christian homes, one Greek Orthodox, one Catholic, in making a decision to follow Jesus, their parents threw them out of the house. Absolutely, utterly, and let me tell you, did not speak to them until they were married and had children. Grandchildren have a remarkable way of healing everything in a family. But see, they were prepared to count the cost for Jesus. Now, not all of us have had that experience. Praise God for that. Yeah? Amen for that. But there are. Even this morning during our prayer time, um, in our prayer, uh, somebody said we should pray for unity around the globe. And I think it was Stephen who just brought up some of the persecution that's happening you know, in different countries at the moment. 
Christians who are losing their life in Jesus' name. You know, there is a cost. There's a cost for some. And we need to be people who are ready to carry that cost. You know, we finished last week, or I finished last week, by asking if Jesus was our great treasure, if he really is the pearl of great price, that pearl that we would sell everything that we had to get a hold of it. You know, that's how wonderful and how precious and how perfect and how lovely it is, that we would sell everything for it. You know, the truth is that he is worthy, 100% worthy, worthy of all adoration, worthy of all praise. Amen? Worthy of all worship like this morning, worthy of all sacrifice. I mean, he is worthy of anything that we have ever given up, isn't he? He is worthy of anything we have ever lost. He's worthy of anything that we've ever surrendered if it's to get a hold of him and to get closer to him. Yeah? yeah? Because there's seasons. I love it and I love the truth and the reality that he lives inside of us. But every once in a while, if we will hunger and desire and thirst and go after and count the cost, we can experience the manifest presence of God where his presence just calms and falls and it's just so thick that it changes the atmosphere. Yeah, It's different. We can walk around with Jesus, you and I, inside of us and we've got the fullness of God to do whatever we like, but when there's a desire and a hunger to host his presence and his manifest presence falls, it's tangible. It drops you to your knees. It brings tears. It brings joy. It brings laughter. It's, it's different. It's empowering. You know, it catapults you into all that he's called you to. What was once really scary and fearful no longer is scary and fearful because his presence has come to anoint us for a time, yeah? We should hunger and desire that. More of you, God, more of you. It's the paradox. I love it. Thank you, Ross. We have the fullness of God inside of us. Because Jesus is in us through the Holy Spirit. He's the paradox. But we can have more. There's always more in God. It's, it's that never-ending packet of Tim Tams. Just when you think you get to the end, it fills again. There is always more in Him. Amen? You see, to live this life as His sons and daughters, it requires something from us. And so that, today... I thought I'd continue on the light theme of counting the cost, you know? Because sometimes it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost us something if we want to live as his sons and daughters. He's paid the ultimate price. There's nothing that we have to do to live here. But sometimes, because of the world that we live in, yeah, there are some decisions that we make that could cost us something. Not all the time, but every once in a while there's a cost. Every once in a while, there's a risk in Jesus' name. The possibility of losing something. But the, the 100% probability of gaining something, man, it's worth losing something, yeah? It propels us to a place where God moves. It's going from the natural to the supernatural. And I know because I've been through seasons and maybe some of you are, are there right now. You know, sometimes in your faith, you know you believe in God. You know Jesus is real. There's no problem there. But you just feel blah. Anyone ever feel blah? You know, you're just like, you're just doing life. You're just working, not working, paying bills, husbands, spouse, kids, dogs, puppies that poop everywhere. You're just doing life, stepping in it, walking through it dragging it through the carpet. You're just doing life. Welcome to mine. And it feels so natural. <laughs> there is something more. There is something supernatural. But it may cost us something, yeah? See, some of us, as I mentioned, have paid the price, have paid a cost to follow Jesus. But there's a cost to the supernatural too that you're going to encounter from time to time. There's a pressing, a pushing. There's a calling where God says, come and follow me. Leave all that you have. Come and follow me. Sell everything you've got. Come and follow me. 
Come and follow me. Don't worry about your dad. He's dead. I know. Let the dead bury the dead. Come and follow me. There's a cost. But man, the reward, I'm going to use the word reward, is so worth the sacrifice when you're in that place. That's why in James, we looked at this scripture last week. In chapter 1, verse 12, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward they will. Afterward they will. Not before. Afterward they will. Receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. See, if we count the cost, accepting Jesus. If we endure the trials and tribulations that life just throws at us as we walk with him. yeah. Afterward we'll receive the crown of life. Who receives the crown of life? Those who love God. Who are those that love God? They're the ones who are already following him. Yeah, because there's a reward to keep walking, to keep marching, to keep battling, not to strive. We're already your sons and daughters, but it's to hang in there and be tough sometimes. Sometimes it's just to hang in there and worship. Sometimes it's just really easy, but occasionally there's this cost. But the cost, oh my goodness, if you pay that price, man, what God won't do through you because there's greatness in you. Do you understand? There's greatness in you. And the only thing that's stopping God using you or me to change not just the community but the world is us. Yeah? Because the fullness of God's already inside of us. But we're just not ready to count the cost. I said it last week that Jesus knows everyone's idol, everyone's, all of us. Man, if there's an idol in your life that distracts you from God, he knows it. If there's an idol in your life that that robs him of the affection that belongs to him, he knows what that is. Certainly not the puppy at my house. And he knows that to follow him, we will have to count the cost somewhere, somehow, sometime. But what will it cost us to follow Jesus? Because he's worthy. And to be able to say, I'm willing. To be able to say, I love you more. To be able to say, you are so precious, God. More precious than life. Some of the words of Jesus are just tough. Some of them are just loving. They're all inviting. (laughs) He invites us into relationship with him just as much as he invites us into counting the cost. And he says it with the same love. He uses the same hand that he reaches out. He doesn't change. What a paradox. It's awesome. I love this Christian life. It means there's always something. It's always something that you're, oh, well, I, 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 I need to sit down with someone. And you sit down with someone and they're like, oh, I couldn't do that. Then you sit down with someone else and it's like, man, that's so easy. Just do it. Step out in faith. Don't worry about it. That's nothing. Oh, if it costs you everything, who cares? It's like, oh, I wish I'd spend time with the other bloke. (laughs) See, he takes what's natural and makes it supernatural. And so the cost of following Jesus means that as his disciples, sometimes we need to put him above the nearest and dearest to us. Shock horror. Yeah? Unless you love me more than your brother, your sister, your cousin your puppy inside your lounge room. You cannot be my disciple. He's not saying you can't love your family. But like I said last week, if in choosing Jesus, it means that your family will disown you, what will you choose? I know what I'll choose. I made that decision long ago. But what will you choose? The cost of following Jesus means that as his disciples, we, we need to value following him above life itself. We may never face in this country yeah, that dilemma. Praise God that I live in a first world nation, seriously. And I know that he gives us the strength to go through stuff when we're going through it, so I really don't know if I'd be able to. But like we shared and we prayed this morning, some of us, there are people around the globe today at this moment that are suffering and being persecuting and using their, losing their life for Jesus. You know, the cost of following Jesus means that as his disciples... Sometimes we need to put him above material possessions. You know, 
if everything we had, if we were to sell that and, it, and you knew that it was going to propel the kingdom forward and that hundreds of people would come to the faith, what would you choose? Would you choose Jesus and the kingdom or would you choose image? Sometimes. It costs us something. It just does. You know, the cost of following Jesus means that as his disciples, we put his interests above our interests. Sometimes that's really hard. Sometimes it's not so hard. You know, I used to play indoor soccer twice. I need to play it about five times. <laughs> I now play it once because Mel and I chose to open a, a friendship group on a particular night that I played soccer. So I chose to put his interest above my interest. It could be as simple as that. Sometimes there's a cost, yeah? When Jesus reaches out and he invites you to count the cost, it's not about making you feel guilty. You've got to understand this. Everything that, that we're talking about and we're sharing, it's not about guilt of what we're not doing. It's about the possibility of stepping into the greatness that he's placed within us because the only thing holding back that greatness is us because his fullness is already inside of us. Amen? You know, if we could say, I'll follow you no matter what, the amazing happens, the supernatural happens. God shows up and he just leaves us gobsmacked and in awe of him. And today, I, I want to look at some of these men and women of God that were then, that are now, to inspire us to step into that place, to inspire us to desire to live the supernatural life no matter what. Yeah, It's not to make us feel guilty. Don't be the person that goes away and says, he's just telling us what we're not doing or what he's not doing. A son doesn't think like that. An orphan spirit feels, thinks like that. Yeah, A son spirit says, man, there's more. Oh my, there's more Jesus. There's more healing. There's more. There's more faith. I can have more. That's how a son thinks. You and I are sons and daughters of the living God because of the price that he paid that we stepped into for free. But it may cost us somewhere, yeah? So there was a great quote, and I picked it up um, on Facebook of all places. So thanks, Danny. Um, she, she placed uh, and she, re she posted something that Lisa Bevere had posted, and it was a quote by A.W. Tozer. And you've got to get this because there's greatness inside of each and every one of us. And the quote's this, we can be in our day what the heroes of faith were in their day. But remember, at the time, they didn't know they were heroes. Come on. Man, that should go, oh, that's me. I can be a hero. Man, I long to put on a cape and fly, yeah? Doesn't the Bible talk about, doesn't it talk about wings as eagles? Yeah, come on, we can be stale and stagnant and you can walk around and live life like, like a snail. But man, I don't want that. I want to live a winged life, a hero life. I want to fly with him. But it may cost me something sometimes. See, the difference with the heroes then, it's just that they counted the cost. That's it. There was nothing else more special about them. The same God that was in them is inside of us. The same. The same fullness of God that was inside of them is inside of us. It's just that they said, all right, God, wherever it takes me, whatever it costs, I'll go, I'll do it. And now we sit back today and go, well, they were awesome. Oh, if only we were like that. If only we could, we, we could host a presence like Evan Roberts. You know, if only we could preach like Billy Sunday. If only we could heal like Catherine Kuhlman. They just counted the cost. But if you've got your Bibles, we should look at a Bible verse. There's lots of them today. <laughs> My intro doesn't count. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. See, sometimes it costs you something to live in the supernatural, yeah? Sometimes it costs time. Shadrach, Meshach, and the Ballarat replied, O Nebuchadnezzar. Come on, everyone calls him a Bendigo when it's Abnego. We're going to Ballarat. Is that okay? Amen. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. I don't know about you. It sounds like to me they're counting the cost. Yeah? 
We don't have to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He, oh, I love it. If we're thrown into the furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But if he doesn't, that's okay. If we die for his name, we're cool with that. This is the Andrew Battistella add-on to the message version. If we die because of that, hey, that's awesome. Because he's God, that's cool, it's his decision. We're not going to argue with him. Whether he says yes or no, he's right. He's God, yeah? He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach and Abnego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach and Abnego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes and other garments. It sounds like it must have been winter. And because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they, as the, the, they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach and Abnego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames because they counted the cost. Yeah. Now watch what happens when we take the natural and say yes to Jesus. Yeah. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement, exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound, walking around in the fire, unashamed, and the fourth looks like a god. Man, they just counted the cost. The same greatness that was in them is inside of you. They were prepared to lose their life in the name of Father God. They counted their cost. They counted it. And the cost of faith for them, they were ready to lose their life. But I love the fact that in the middle of this trial and tribulation, in the middle of their dilemma, in the middle of the very thing that's costing them something, who should show up and ruin the party? Well, hello. God. Some would say it was Jesus. He looked like the Son of Man. Hello, Jesus. Fancy meeting you here in the fire. Well, how are you going? And there they are, just walking around, unbound in a fire that's burning people on the outside, chilling out with God because they counted the cost. So in the natural, they should have been burned to a crisp, yeah, really, and dead. Dead, 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 not coming back to life, dead. No, no skin, sinew, muscle to even resuscitate. It was so hot, there would have been nothing but charcoal burnt bones like a charcoal chicken when you get the wing and it just breaks, yeah? Nothing left! But wow, the natural becomes a supernatural. They had an encounter with God and it changes everything, like everything. See, when you and I suffer for Jesus, we'll find his presence in our sufferings. You've got to, you've got to grab hold of the word and make it yours because it's a promise from God. When we suffer for Jesus, we will meet him, his presence in the middle of our sufferings even in the fiery furnace, even in the valley of the shadow of death. You know, I was recently listening to a message by, I was about to say Jackie Chan, sorry, by <laughs> Francis Chan. I was listening to a message by Francis Chan. And I, I, I don't know it exactly, I've only listened to it once, but he tells a story of a group of people that were taken prisoners or somewhere in Afghanistan, something like that. And they didn't know if they were going to you know, live or die. And... Basically, every day, they discipline themselves to worship, to sing, to pray. And what they found in this time while they were prisoners is their faith from God was so strong that they had a peace in every situation. They were finally rescued. Now, Francis Chan tells a story as he's speaking with them that one of the group has often said, and while he's interviewing them, Sometimes we've actually spoken and we wish that we were back there because the relationship we had with God in that place, we miss it. We want to go back to the trial because we miss the relationship we had with God in that place. They counted the cost, yeah? Man, what a testimony. And I love the fact that these guys are thrown into the fire 
They did, just didn't sit and wait for themselves to die and lose breath and be in pain. They just start walking around. For you and I, in our, when we're living on this side of the cross, living this supernatural life, and stuff comes against us and we're counting the cost, don't sit there. Get up. Walk in the reality of who you are with God. Know who you are. Walk around because God's going to meet you in that place. And he's going to walk while you walk. Amen. We've got to trust that daddy's got our back. Because at the end of the day, he's got no choice but to meet with those that are fully surrendered. Thank you for your prayer this morning, Mel. Perfect. Fully, so here we are, fully surrendered in the presence of God. He has no choice. You don't get it. Worship's not just about singing. Worship's about you and I letting go of everything. Fully surrendered. Yeah? Whether that means kneeling or prostrate, whether that means smiling for some of you, I don't know. Whether it's your hands growing or your legs tapping, fully surrendered to God and so we sing. And we sing fully surrendered and in that place, God has to come. He has no choice but to come. His presence, His manifest presence with those that are fully surrendered. The only reason we don't experience more of His manifest presence because sometimes we're not fully surrendered. Sometimes we haven't quite counted the cost. Daniel chapter 6, verse 15. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God whom you serve faithfully rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Verse 18, then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? See, Daniel had already counted the cost. Stop praying or you're going to die. Stop praying, I'm going to throw you into the lion's den. And he was like, there's no way on this side of blue earth until I see pigs fly backwards that I'm actually going to stop praying. No way, I'm praying to my living God no matter what it costs. Verse 21, Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angels to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me for I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He'd thrown them into the lion's den along with their wives and their children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the lion's den. Man, I'd love to see the CGI graphics on a movie about Daniel and the lion's den. But, the, oh, he counts the cost. And God takes what's natural. He should be eaten and dead and makes it supernatural. And they become his little puppy pets, pooping around in the, in the den. And the king yells out, hey, Daniel, are you okay? Yeah, all good, God. Gives him the thumbs up. It's sweet down here. Because he counted the cost. He counted the cost. Daniel knew the risk if he prayed, and he prayed anyway. Man, he should have been eaten and dead. But in the supernatural, he had an encounter with an angel of the Lord, yeah? And it saves him in the middle of his trial. Go figure. Again, God comes to change the story. And not only did God save him, God himself was exalted amongst the nation, wasn't he? Because the king said, now we're going to, that's the God that we're praying to. That's the God that we're going to follow. What an awesome God if he can do that. There are times in our lives we have the opportunities to share our faith, to profess our faith. And the reality and truth is for many of us, there are times where I'm going to go as far as to say nearly all of us have probably uh, missed that opportunity on occasion. Yeah? I'm guilty of it. And we go away and think, oh, if only I said that. If only I said that. But now's not the time to hide your faith. 
for fear of what people might think or say. Yeah? Now's not the time. I'm at a kid's party at a BMX track in Bunningyong yesterday. I'm talking to a, a, a young dad who's got a kid and we're talking about Vic Rhodes and the roads. And before you know it, we're talking about his son, how his son had leukemia in 18 months and how he left the church because he couldn't understand how, how God could do that to a young boy. And there we are. Man, you know what? Let's talk about our, how loving our God is. You know? Man, that's not the time to be silent because he's upset with God. Let's show him how much God loves him and how much that was tearing God's heart apart. Yeah? Sometimes we just have to count the cost and proclaim it. Don't deny it. You know? I long to see Papa do mighty things in me to work through me for those around me. But for that to happen, sometimes I've got to count the cost. And I don't know about you, but I imagine that some of you long to have Father God do something mighty inside of you, to work through you for those around you. But sometimes you're going to have to count the cost. There's a cost. But just start walking in your original design. Just start walking in your true identity. Tell him that you'll follow him no matter what. Get ready for, for what he's going to do with a willing vessel to somebody who's completely surrendered. You know, in Acts chapter 7, we read verse 54. The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusation and they shook their fists at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honour at God's right hand. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honour at God's right hand. What you've got to understand that up until that point, Stephen had been preaching. And he wasn't preaching some lovey-dovey message. He was telling these people, these Pharisees, how much they had missed God, how much they had discredited his name, had they killed the very prophets that God had sent. And they were, they were fuming in themselves. So he counts the cost knowing what's about to happen. And as he counts the cost and continues to speak, he has an encounter with God. He, in his mind's eye, in the physical, he looks to heaven and the heavens open. And he sees into the spiritual world, the spiritual realm that's happening all at the same time, yeah? It's not heaven later, it's heaven now. We've got an eternity assured later, no problem. But these things happen at the same time. And it opens up before him and I love it. Look at the priests and Pharisees. They put their hands over their ears and began shouting and they rushed him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. The accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named man named Saul. They stoned him. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't change them with this sin. Don't charge them, sorry. And with that he died. Because when you're in the presence of God, when you've counted the cost and his manifest presence comes, every abuse just is like water off a duck's back. It doesn't matter. Every hit, if you're in that situation, actually no longer hurts because God's taking that pain. That's why there's people overseas that are prepared to die for the name of Jesus. Because in that place, when they've counted the cost, Jesus comes and comforts them right there. Man, it doesn't matter what they say about us. It might hurt us now, but the minute we step out in faith for Jesus, that pain's gone. It's gone because he takes it and he covers us. He gives us the armour, doesn't he? And I love it. What a wonderful, wonderful man of God Stephen is. He counts the cost knowing that they're going to kill him. And in the middle of the trial, Jesus turns up. Man, some of us are still waiting. Or actually, let's go back. Some of us are still living in yesterday's encounter. Yeah? and haven't stepped into the encounter that God has for us today. And I shared months ago, and Roscoe really put it so well when he talked about the paradoxes. We're trying to breathe life into an encounter we had back here, something in our lives, and God really is just wanting it to, to die so that he can speak a new word, a new season, to propel us for our tomorrow. But we've got to count the cost because it's really hard to be in the darkness. Just there are times in our lives where all hope seems lost. But hang on to him no matter what. You know, John Wesley was born in 1703. And, I mean, apart from the, the Wesleyan Methodist movement, he was the main player in the First Great Awakening. But check out his quote. 
I put myself wholly into thy hands. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for thee or laid aside for thee, exalted for thee or trodden underfoot for thee. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and heartily resign all to thy pleasure and disposal. Man, when I read that, you said, wow. What I said was, what a sicko. <laughs> like, seriously, man, what faith. That's someone who counted the cost. He said yes to Jesus. I'm willing. I'm going to go wherever you want me to, no matter what it costs me. Even if you don't want to use me, I'm ready to be used for you. Yeah? He stepped from the natural into the supernatural. And he chose to make Jesus' name great. They reckon that he rode over 250,000 miles, not kilometres, over 250,000 miles on a horse to preach over his lifetime. You think about that. Man, that's huge. Now, get this. I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew I was allowed to text and drive. He even figured out a way to read while he was riding the horse. Come on, and they let him do it. Fred Ingham. Come on, I'm just following the footsteps of a man of God. Get a horse, thanks. That's probably, that's probably the best answer. He preached over 40,000 sermons. He published over 5,000 books and sermons. He helped the sick, helped schools, he helped orphanages. Now get this, he was walking over London Bridge and he hurt his ankle. So he wasn't able to stand, but he had all these meetings lined up for the whole week to preach. So you know what he did? He went to the meetings and he preached all of his meetings while he was kneeling because he couldn't stand on his ankle. He didn't even sit. Man, he counted the cost because he loved Jesus. And now today we read stuff about John Wesley. We go, wow, what a man of God. But what about the cost, the price that he paid? He got married. And you know what? His wife became bitter and resentful of the ministry and she divorced him. The church leadership at the time considered him and his gift of no value. So there were ministers around the time that closed the churches and were asking him to get out and go away. They didn't want him. Others tried to destroy his ministry. Others even tried to kill him. You know, let's quote A.W. Tozer again. We can be in our day what the heroes of faith were in their day, but remember at the time they didn't know they were heroes. Yeah? See, the reward is always greater than the sacrifice. Now, what about Heidi Baker? They say that she lives a life completely surrendered to God, that she's totally sold out for Jesus. You know, her and her husband lead a mission movement in Mozambique called Iris Global. They've planted over 10,000 churches in 10 years. Not a bad effort, yeah? And she would say that all of us have to have an complete and utter 100% dependence on the living God. Here's her quote. Anyone who discovers who he is would give everything. He's the pearl of great price. He's the lover of our souls. Once you see him, you'll give anything. Yeah? You know, what you may not know about Heidi Baker was that when she was growing up, she wanted to be a ballerina. She loved dancing. Like, I'm talking dancing. She would go to lessons like every, every week. She, that was her future, to be a ballerina, to dance. And then one day she felt like God spoke to her. And so I'll read a small uh, excerpt from a book where she recounts the experience. She goes, God spoke to me clearly when he told me to lay down the dance. It was powerful because my whole life I wanted to be a ballerina. I studied and just dil diligently pursued that goal. When I was born again at the age of 16, I felt like I heard God say, lay down your toe shoes, lay down the dance, lay it down at my altar, give it to me. I remember with all that is within me saying, yes, Lord, I don't care what it costs me. And I remember crying because it hurt so badly. To just suddenly stop dancing was even painful for my body because it was so used to ballet. But laying that down and saying, okay, God, I want you to possess me. I don't care what the cost is. I don't care what it's going to take. I just want to yield. I felt like I was jumping off a cliff and trusting that he was going to catch me, and he did, and it was awesome. It's not about giving up stuff for the sake of giving up stuff, but if God asks you to, 
what will you do? If God calls to you and says, hey, it's time to put that thing down, what will you choose for him? You know, she was at a conference in the US where she had this powerful vision and in the vision she saw children coming from everywhere and so that, that finish had ended and she went back to Mozambique and she was expecting now to have this, this explosion within their ministry. Within 48 hours of arriving there, the local officials actually told her that she needed to leave the, leave the orphanage and gave her a time frame. Actually said, you know what? Get out. And while you were away, by the way, we beat up some of the kids. Just thought we'd let you know. Now she's just rolled up thinking, man, God is so going to bless my work. But she understands cost. They were told they, they couldn't worship anymore. You're not allowed to worship. And funnily enough, maybe it's a lot of money, but they were, there were contracts taken out on her life for $20. Yeah. She counted the cost. She refused to stop. Children kept coming, and so they let them into their apartment. They had over 100 kids in a one-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment. A US embassy official brought them some food, enough for her and her husband knowing what was happening not realising all the kids, as he brings the food to them, the food multiplies in front of him and feeds all the children. Because they counted the cost. See, there's greatness in you and me. The same greatness that's in them is in us. But can we hear the call and voice of God when he cries out to us to walk not on this side of the cross, but on this side as sons and daughters that can lay hands on people and see the sick healed? who can speak life into dead situations. The reward is always greater than the sacrifice. Total surrender was part of her life. It should be part of ours. But will we, will I count the cost? See, the life God desires for us, that's waiting for us, that he's given to us, sometimes there's a cost involved. This should be stirring you up. This shouldn't be somber. This should be such a stirring in your spirit that you want to cry because you want to grab hold of more. With holiness doesn't come somberness. With holiness doesn't come sadness. With holiness comes joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength, yeah? So when you start to think about this stuff, don't get down. That's the enemy. That's the devil. God gets in. When you start to live in the holiness of God, there's a joy from within because you know he's got your back. You know that he's got you in every situation. See, there's, oh man, you just put it so well in communion. There's Jesus, but there's also his mission. There's the person of Jesus, but there's also the path that he took, yeah? There's sweetness in living in this life, but there's also suffering. There's Jesus and there's the cross. And if we'll count the cost, he will actually be with us through it all. You see, the cross is the cost, but the resurrection is the supernatural. <laughs> and once we count the cost, we step into the supernatural. That's why, that's why Paul can say in 2 Corinthians in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, if, only, if you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. Yeah, you've got to love this. This is the message version. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around in unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. That's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. It sounds like a song we sing, doesn't it? We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't broken. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us and he lives. Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. And while we're going through the worst, you're getting in on the best. Come on, that's really good stuff. Let's have a look at normal people. By the way, I've got five of these books left in the office. Peter McHugh, Priorities. These are, he writes in this, but there are testimonies just from everyday people like you and me 
we're starting to release the greatness inside of them. Yeah? If you want one, there's five. See Jen. You can have it. It's titled, and he played footy that Saturday. You're going to love this because I picture this when I pick up the kids, yeah? It was midwinter 2009. I was driving with my then two-year-old son to school to collect my daughter. It was smack in the middle of Aussie rules footy season and in a typical Melbourne style, it was raining and drizzling type rain. As I drove, I saw a stay-at-home dad that I'd got to know called M. He was walking to school in the rain. Em is a rough gem who wears shorts and thongs or runners all year round, winter and summer, and who had got many of the women's tugs wagging at the school for his lack of charm. In other words, he called a spade a spade, and I liked him. I pulled over and offered him a ride. He responded by saying that normally he would say no, but that on this day he would say yes because he'd hurt his knee. He jumped into the car and we rode the short distance to school, chatting as we went. I asked about the knee and he said that it was an old injury that required a knee reconstruction. By the time we were in the playground waiting for the kids to come out, I knew I had to offer to pray. Oh, here we go. Here comes a bit of cost, yeah? Oh my goodness. But he didn't know, but did not know how to do it with him in front of all the other mums at school pickup. Yeah? It gets really, for me, it gets a bit funny here. God had given me a picture and I just learned that God will sometimes give us a picture on, on how he wants us to pray to release a healing. The picture I received was that I was to kneel down in front of him and place my hand on his bare knee and pray as I knelt. I offered to pray. M said he did not believe in any of that stuff, but that I could give it a go if I wanted. He then went on to say that if it worked, it would be great because he'd be able to play football that Saturday, but he doubted it would work. I didn't want to kneel. It was wet on the ground. He was a man wearing shorts and I felt it was inappropriate to kneel in front of him in the wet with my hand on his bare knee and what was worse, it was in front of all the other mums milling around waiting for their kids to come out from school. So in my wisdom, I placed my hand discreetly on his shoulder and started to pray. As I prayed, I felt heard a strong rebuke from God who said, get on your knees. Essentially saying, I showed you how to pray, now do it. Sometimes there's a cost, yeah, to live in the supernatural life, yeah. I took a deep breath, focused on the fact that M could be healed and told him that I needed to place my hand on his knee. And so I knelt in the wet with the cold and wet coming through my jeans. In, that's a terrible feeling when you kneel on a wet ground, just by the way. In front of the car park mums and prayed, the mums looked at me and I felt very embarrassed but went on regardless. While on my knees, feeling very vulnerable, I looked up at him and asked if he felt anything. He said he felt heat, so I kept praying and then asked him to move the knee around. He did and he felt some relief, so I prayed again, still on my knees. And then I stood and asked him to try it out. He bent it back and forth and said all the pain was gone. I asked him to jump on it, jumping up and down next to him as I did. Oh, now she's really embarrassing herself. I mean, what sort of Christian are you? Jumping up and down with the man in a car park. But sometimes there's a cost, yeah? Come on. He jumped up and down on it and looked amazed and said there was no pain and that he would not have believed it, but that he had felt the heat and that it was amazing that maybe he was wrong about all this stuff. Delighted, and that is an understatement, I got on with collecting my daughter and left it at that. I saw him the following week and asked how he got, got on. He said like a little kid with absolute joy that he played his game of footy that Saturday. Come on. Sometimes we just got to count the cost, don't we? Man, what's it? Oh, look, it's that late already. One more story. I was driving to my daughter's home about two weeks ago with the intention of having coffee at local shops in Mount Waverley. I've shared this with some people. As I neared her home, a picture of the shopping strip at Albert Park came to mind. We prayed and were open to what God might want, so we drove to Albert Park and began to wander and browse in the stalls. All the while, I was seeking to hear what God might be saying. Our time was up, the parking meter was about to expire, but we went to one more store. 
The woman behind the counter told us she'd sold her store two days ago after being in business 25 years. She went on to explain she developed arthritis and fibra something or other and some other condition I don't remember nor can I pronounce. This left her with hands as stiff as a board, purple in colour and icy cold. She could only move them slightly with much pain and difficulty. The circulation was dying, her words. She went on to explain how there were no answers and it broke her heart to sell her livelihood but she could no longer wrap gifts which was a core part of her business at Christmas. By this time I knew she was the reason I found myself in Albert Park for only the second time in my life. I told her I was a Christian and believed God heals today the same as he did 2,000 years ago. I asked if I might pray and she readily agreed. I prayed and Jesus healed her. I asked her to do something she couldn't previously do. She bent her fingers and said the pain previously in 8 out of 10 was gone. She complained of some stiffness, so I prayed again. She was delighted and began to ask for details of our church and what had happened to her. She picked up a pen while she was distracted. Upon realising that she was actually holding the pen, she was amazed and overwhelmed that she hadn't been able to do this for some time. Come on. Oh, man, there's such a life if we count the cost. My daughter and I left the store knowing we'd accomplished the task God had for us and returned to our expired parking meter with no fine in Jesus' name. Come on, why don't we stand? Stand, 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 stand. I reckon the worship team. I reckon the worship team. I know. We, actually, it's 12 o'clock. You can get the kids. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, in the message version says, My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. To practice real love... There's a cost. This is the only way we'll know we're truly living, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. Yeah? Now, this is what happens. The next part, if we count the cost, song number three, please. I don't know the name. I just like... It was the third one. I'm sure it was the third one. Yes, God. This is what happens if we count the cost. And friends, once that's taken care of and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves, we're bold and free before God. We're able to stretch out our hands and receive what we asked for because we're doing what He said, doing what pleases Him. See, the reward is always greater than the sacrifice. We can be in our day what the heroes of faith were in their day, but remember at the time they didn't know they were heroes. And Lisa Bevere finishes her little post on Facebook with this. Open up the Word of God today. Hold fast to it. Stay the course. Live your faith out with your actions. Heroes of faith are made one day of faithfulness at a time. Heroes of faith are made one day of faithfulness at a time. We're going to sing a song about be lifted up. Now this song is not just about lifting up Jesus. It's not just about, sorry, lifting Him up higher. What it is about, that as you step out in faith, He will lift you up. As you step out in faith, He will lift you higher. And then when he does that, oh my goodness, can we have the, the songs, the words of the song on the screen? Go to the part, the, the, the page after this. Your name is life. Your name is hope. The hope that's inside me. See, when you lift him up and allow yourself to be lift him up, lifted up, when you lift him higher, he will lift you higher. And no matter what you go through, when you count the cost, his love will always find you. His love will always find you. You've got to understand, His love will always find you. His love will always find you. His love will always find you. There's greatness in you today. So I'm going to open the altar and I'm going to ask you to step out in faith, to lift Jesus up, to lift Jesus higher, to allow the greatness that's inside of you to come out in Jesus' name, yeah? Because the only thing holding it back it's not Him, but it's us. Bless you, Jesus. Bless you, God. 
that's inside of you, my friend. Eli, greatness. Fabio, greatness. 
Ross, greatness. There's greatness inside of us. You just have to lift Him up. You just have to count the cost. You just have to say, Lord God, yes, I'm willing. Esther, there is greatness inside of you. Claude, there's more. Andrew, there's more. David, there's more. God hasn't finished with you. Cyril, man, your best days are yet to come. There's greatness inside of you. Jen, there's greatness. Just got to count the cost. You just have to lift him up. You just have to say, yes, Lord. Wherever you lead, I'll go. Whatever happens, I'll say yes. There's greatness. This isn't a time for us to pray for you. This is a time to come and lay it out at the feet of Jesus. Come with your spouse. Come with your children. Come with your baggage, your luggage. Come as you are and say yes, yes, yes. Because there's greatness. There's greatness. And He'll find you. I know it's scary. That love, He'll always find you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you, ever. He's always there. Hillary, there's greatness inside of you. You're just tapping into what God has for you. The revelation that's going to come in your life as you say yes to Him, as you stay, stand firm amongst your friends and say, I believe and follow Jesus. You watch what He does in your life. Because there's greatness. Count the cost and say yes to Him.
to quote Heidi Baker again, anyone who discovers who he is would give everything. He is the pearl of great price. He is the lover of our souls. Once you see him, you'll give anything. Amen. Get ready. If you said yes to Jesus, get ready. If you're counting the cost to live the supernatural life, get ready. Because the minute that you say, I'm willing, I surrender, man, God's going to take that greatness inside of you. And He's going to propel it to those around you. And you watch the atmospheres shift and change just when you walk in. Because you're prepared to say, I'll give anything and everything to you. I lay it at your feet and I trust you, God. Get ready. (laughs) Get ready. Get ready. And even in the trial or tribulation, allow the joy of the Lord to be your strength. Get ready. Even when it's a difficult choice, allow that joy to move you into His presence. Yeah? And be strengthened in Jesus' name. I look forward to next week. I look forward to tonight, Overflow. Come on. Actually, perfect. If you've got time tonight, 6.30, come. Enjoy the overflow of today. Yeah? Have a wonderful day. And allow God to do what God needs to do. Amen.